thinking about it when we were talking on the uh the earlier podcast when you you were talking about um kind of having a good group of people to to dungeon master for and how it kind of enriches the game itself yes and i was kind of thinking about that it's like it's kind of a beautiful thing where you know whether or not you homebrew a, a specific story or if you're pulling from a module and you sort of have this kind of general idea of like what is going to be a what the story is going to be and how you get a different group of people in the room and how they interact in that world is going to really enrich that story and make it more beautiful and and you can use the same story over and over again with a different group of people with a different group of specific characters and how they play that story is just going to be a whole other it's going to be a different adventure every single time, right? Absolutely. I I think that like when you find that right group, you develop that trust. <clears throat> Not only does it allow you to, you know, reinvent some stories you've already played before, um, but it also allows you to kind of like explore aspects of life and your personality and, and some topics that might otherwise be dangerous or taboo to discover with a group of people that you don't have that kind of trust with. Um, and certainly you, you know, going into those kinds of things, you, you develop, you have conversations with all the people you're playing with about whether or not a particular topic is uh, not appropriate for play or whether or not that topic is okay for play, whether it be something like, yeah, like torture or romance, um, you know, sex, love, those kinds of things. Yeah. Those kinds of things are, it's important before you explore those kind of topics in a game session that you have some very like straightforward conversations about how people feel about them. Wait, are there really people who play that game who are like, I'm uncomfortable with sex? Well, I some, I mean, for well, some sure. people, be, some people, <laughs> for I, sure. Well, you, you, not everyone has sex, Justin. Okay. Yeah. Some, I mean, it, <laughs> Jesus, if those, those kinds of situations or those kinds of scenarios definitely can come up, and oh, weird. Uh, okay. but it, and it all depends on like who's running the <clears throat> game and or who you know every once in a while even if you're the person running the game you may have a player that you know at any point might say it'd just be like being in any social setting where setting where somebody you're with initiates uh an interaction with a non-player character that you've created that starts going down a particular way and you're in a position where you are trying to play out that social scenario as realistic as you think <laughs> but you but once the topic is breached 
it's important that you're that you're navigating it, it with in a way that's mindful that there are other people at the table who are all there to have fun. Right, right. And if you, hey, goblin, we don't like your kind around here. Yeah. A few examples <laughs> so, like rolling for dick size with a bunch of ladies, and it's just you. And like, <laughs> all right, now you're next. Like, I don't have a dick. But like, roll for dick size. <laughs> or we're in this bar on our campaign, and it's like this sexy barmaid and we're trying to flirt with her. But in reality, as you go down your flirtatious conversation, you actually realize you're just flirting with Sean. (laughs) Damn, your breasts are so big. Well, thank you, kind of, sir. Just like to touch them. Where do you want to end with that, right? Like, the deeper you go, it's like, uh, okay. And and Sean touches your shaft. You can tell it's hard. It's like it's hard. And you know, knowing, point, right? yeah. knowing your players is important. And uh, I think that a lot of times uh, you can avoid a lot of pitfalls by having conversations in advance. Um, take, for example, you know, our experience in the military. There may be certain combat encounters that otherwise would not seem like they would cause any kind of friction at a game table. But if you're playing with a group of veterans and PTSD is involved, it may be important that before you do, you talk to all of your veteran players, uh, your players who are veterans, about maybe some things that might be triggers for them. Um, And I think that's the kind of thing that adults do when you respect each other. And those conversations will build trust with each other. And it also means that when you do get into scenarios that otherwise would be like awkward scenarios... No one walks away feeling awkward. They're fu- right. they're more fun than they were awkward. Um, you laugh about them afterwards, right? Um, but not, and you know, in, in some ways too, you might find that somebody finds some therapy in uh-huh. in role playing a particular scenario a specific way. Um, and uh, I think that there are definitely groups out there that are working with veterans to do that kind of stuff yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember you telling me that you got interested in maybe doing something like that, right? Yeah, I, there's a group out there. I haven't contacted them. I feel bad for not contacting them yet because I feel like that would be a fairly rewarding experience to run, run a run a DD session for veterans who are in a position where they, they might need that kind of community and that kind of outlet. There's sure. certainly a value there. I think they do game night at one of the main campuses at the Boston VA. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, I think that would be really interesting to get involved in. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to back forward on your the last podcast we did with you, but you're explaining your middle school experience doing D and D with your teacher, and it just reminded me of fucking Stranger Things. You've seen Stranger Things, right? Yes. Remember the four kids, and they have like that relationship with their teacher, and they're like radio. They're doing like yep. radio stuff with them, right? I've never seen. The you never show. have you seen it? I have, yeah, yeah. And like they have that relationship with the teacher, and they're like, oh shit, man, you got this new radio technology. We're gonna play with that shit. It kind of reminded me of you got when you were explaining that story with D and D, and I'm like, oh fuck, you Stranger yeah. Things, huh? Yeah, when I was in eighth grade, um, I was new uh, to the school system that I was in, and uh, I there was a school teacher there, a music teacher who started a gaming club, and uh, he had he started to run a Dungeons and Dragons game for a few select players that clearly showed more of an interest. I kind of got snatched up into it being a new, a new kid uh, as like a way of being making friends and such. And that game actually, that was a pretty 
fun game. That was like my first encounter with uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and it really like it clearly became a very like fo- like uh, it was a formative moment for me. And uh, that group played together for quite a bit of time until one of the parents did not like the idea of us playing Dungeons and Dragons. There was this whole element of this, the satanic panic from the 1980s was still kind of lingering there. This is like the mid nineties. Okay. I was going to say like, when was this shit? Yeah. I was in high school in like the late nineties. So, um, she was very concerned about us worshiping devils and Satan. (laughs) And, uh, she contacted a number of the different parents and basically accused me of like, being like this ringleader in a satanic in like a small satanic cult um <laughs> Fuck yeah. it's and, not uh, fucking dungeons and demons like yeah. it's goddamn dungeons and dragons and the, what what's really funny about this scenario is it's like it is exactly what happened in the 1980s with the satanic panic where um there were a number of different incidences early in the 80s where uh, an individual would go missing. And there's a specific story where a, a university, I think it's University of Michigan student had gone missing. He was, you know, depressed and troubled. And he, during a summer session up in, up at his school, he went missing and the family of the student hired an investigator, a private investigator from Texas. This guy goes up there and he goes into this kid's dorm room and he finds all these D&D, all this D&D material. And after like talking to a few of the kids from the dorm that he played with, he basically, you know, came up with this narrative uh, and gave it to investigators that he had been worshiping, like he had been doing satanic worship in like the steam tunnels beneath the school. And um, the the New York Times ran a whole segment on it, and it really fueled for the better part of the '80s. It really fueled this like panic around the game, in which like parents really were afraid that their kids were getting involved in something that was not that was like not just a game, but rather like something like terrible and like evil. Hmm. And, and and interestingly enough, it, it came back and bit and even bit me in the, the mid nineties. Um, the teacher that was running the game basically backed out completely. He had a career and a family to worry about, um, so he didn't want any involvement uh, with a with a parent who was basically accusing him and another student of like satanic worship. <laughs> the, and the, the crazy thing was too is is that like even in our game we weren't even we didn't even have any of that kind of element of the game in our particular campaign sessions. Yeah. So it was, it was, yeah, it was not, it really hurt me as a young teen to see my social, the only social group that I had built in that new school system at that time to just dissolve. Um, All because of a false fucking narrative. Too bad. Yeah. Too bad. Like, um, like colored context didn't exist then. You could have put black contacts and go to that parent, like, yeah, the bitch. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna eat your soul. <laughs> That's dude. That that overreaction. That that lack of like research into what actually happened and what events took place led to this fucking bullshit hysteria. And yeah. it it dude. It's I mean it's happening. It's still that stuff still happens today, man. It's crazy. It goes back to that whole thing of. Um, not actually looking into what it is you're um, chastising or whatever, and you're just making 
general assumptions of of things that you've heard other people say or other criticisms yeah. that people have made without actually picking up a D&D book and then looking inside of it and reading like are there uh, satanic inscri- inscriptions and incantations and things about like only if you, you use know, a black light and you can see the secrets <laughs> yeah, right like if you actually you actually a book, hear a drop of virgins drop of blood on the right? book and it's <laughs> it's just a bunch of nerdy shit and numbers and stats and like yeah. all this stuff like if you read it you'd be like oh yeah this is you know whatever this is a silly kids game or whatever you want to you know yeah right yeah, it's it's silly. And th- and that happens all the time. Like people like hate on things without actually exploring it or seeing like what what it's actually about or actually understanding it, you know. They formulate an opinion just reading the headline. Yeah, rather than actually taking a look at what it is you're criticizing. Yeah, criticizing. I, I, I Are you gay, Seth? <laughs> Have you ever had sex with a man? Well, how do you know it's not good? <laughs> Unless you try. That's like uh, what Joe Exotic's fucking yeah. thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, you like porn? You like porn with little dicks or big dicks? <laughs> well, you like it with big dicks, you might, you're probably you gay. must be gay. <laughs> Come on over. Did you ever see Tiger King? No. Oh, no. yeah. Oh, that shit's oh, fucking man. a gem. It's, it, it, the funny it thing is, it's like, that's that's all it took, right? Here, have some meth. <laughs> right. Have some meth. It's free. The funny thing, that, that show is like at the beginning of quarantine, and it seems like it was so fucking long ago, but that was like yeah, everybody, true. that was everybody was talking about that show. Carol yeah. Baskins, it fucking bitch. It couldn't have dropped in a more perfect time oh, for American right, society. Yeah. In a moment in history... When Americans can't agree on anything, the one thing we can agree on is Carol Baskin killed her husband. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, that bitch did evil. Oh, yeah, 100%. Are we going to make it through this? I have no idea. But Carol Baskin, she did it. <laughs> what, was, what does uh, Dave Chappelle say? Oh, Supposedly. yeah. Oh, like OJ, like, oh, yeah, he did that shit. <laughs> or no, was, was it somebody else? I fucking can't remember. With the Michael Jackson trials? And like OJ Simpson, he's like, oh, yeah, he did that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Carol Baskin killed her husband. Yeah, that bitch. That yeah. fucking bitch. <laughs> Epstein killed himself. You know, we can all agree on that, right? Oh, for sure. Oh, one hundred percent. There's yeah. still some memes coming out. The Epstein. Remember the Epstein killed himself memes? There's memes that randomly come out, and it's like a full list of shit. And at the very bottom, it's like Epstein killed himself. I'm like, God damn it, they're back. <laughs> so you know what's crazy? Um, uh. Jelaine Maxwell, yeah, Galane, yeah. Galane Maxwell, Galane Maxwell. Yeah, she literally like um, I don't know, twenty minutes from here. She right. was picked up twenty minutes from where we report, record this podcast. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's priceless. Yeah, yeah. 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 What? Yeah. In Bedford, New Hampshire. Dude. Oh yeah, that's where they found. We found her in New Hampshire. Oh, that's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, probably Crazy. at a baller house though. <laughs> oh, I thought oh, for, dude, yeah. I thought yeah. for sure she would have been in Argentina. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if she was smart. No, just in New Hampshire, <laughs> dude. She was just right down the road from here. It's have crazy. You, have you seen the pictures out there that um, there's a. Um, uh, what's the one young girl that got murdered by her? Or that the, the belief is that she got murdered by her parents. The um, oh, little um, like the young model girl. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, Ramsey. Yeah, uh, Ramsey. So there's I've just with a J. My, my yeah. I'll see, every once in a while I'll get like photos from my wife who'll be like, 
who does that look John like? John Benet Ramsey. John Benet Ramsey. There there's a go. picture of the of uh, her parent, uh, her parents, and then like in the background, there's like somebody with their head turned, and it looks exactly like her. There's all these like oh, uh, conspiracy, these conspiracy theories of all these other people. Yeah, Jesus. dude. Trump, and it, and it Trump, like crazy. three days ago, was like, oh yeah, I know her. She's a good person. I wish the best on her. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I just wish the best. Whatever well, she's doing now, I just wish she wish yeah. the best. Hopefully, like we've hung out tons of times. I'm like, this can't be real. Does he not know anything that's going on on the planet right no, now? No, he doesn't. That's He's like, thing. oh yeah, I've, I've hung out with her multiple times. Like, she's a great person. Yeah, I just wish you, her the best. I'm if, like, if yeah, you, she's in jail right now well, for like I mean, sex if trafficking. You, if you kids. believe that's mobster code for don't talk and you'll be all right, then, yeah, yeah. you know. But I just wish her the best. Are we still talking about Dungeons and Dragons or did this just go south? I don't know. <laughs> hand, hand me one of those beers over well, there. That's what happens with last call. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing, on, just staying on this subject for a second, um, you guys follow, um, oh my God. Wayfair? Nope. Comedian. Yeah. Um, uh, Are you talking about, um, what's his face? The that guy, guy that tells you to turn your phone sideways? Oh shit, I don't know. What? Oh man. I don't know. Oh, fucking fuck. The name is eluding me right now. I will think it'll is come he a to comedian? me. He's a comedian. <laughs> is he a popular guy? comedian? He's a guy. Does he have long black hair? He does not have long black hair. <laughs> um, but uh, he put out a video recently on um, the whole Ghislaine Maxwell thing, and everything that he said was like um, stuff that was like fact. Like he wasn't going into like conspiracy theory shit. Like he was just saying things that are in the news and that are like have been reported on and whatever. And uh, this was like two, it was like right after they found her or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like a, a pretty popular comedian right now. He's got a bunch of followers on Instagram and all this stuff. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast recently. Um, Andrew Schultz. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Okay. And uh, he, so he's been doing these whole series of videos where like, if you look at his like Instagram feed, they're like, all right, turn your phone sideways. I'm going to tell you something. And then he goes in this like five minute rant and it's, they're, they're pretty well done. They're pretty well produced. Um, so he did one on the Ghislaine Maxwell thing. And then like a couple days ago, he posted that Instagram removed his post without notifying him and didn't give him any reason. And when he tried to contact them and ask them why they removed it, they didn't respond to him and they just took it down completely. Hmm. Sounds shady as shit, man. Sounds super shady, dude. (laughs) Very questionable. Yeah. I was reading a thing. It was just like a meme comment and it was like, why all these celebrities don't comment on sex trafficking as like a way to like show the movement that people should be aware of it. They don't like post the awareness. Like why isn't Oprah or like, um, or fuck the other like female host or like other, these big hosts like making child sex trafficking, like an awareness, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's basically kind of like repeating like all these big celebrities and all they're all in it together. It's some giant ring where they... Yeah, and if you fuck up the kingpin, you're all going to die. Yeah. So, like, just keep your mouth shut. Well, that's like... That's the the whole conspiracy theory thing, right? Is that, like, there's so many, um, you know, high-level politicians and celebrities and all this stuff that are involved with this. Did you hear about uh, your mom's house podcast with Lindsay, Lindsay whatever, Lindsay Graham or whatever, the senator with his ladybugs? Did you hear that podcast? <laughs> no. no. Okay, but that's so, a great podcast, by the way. Oh, your mom's house well, is yeah. so good. Oh my god, it's, re- it's so ridiculous. I, if there's one podcast that I try to keep up with, it's that one. Yeah. But uh, I think his name is Lindsay Graham. Whatever the senator is, mm-hmm. I don't fucking know his last name. That sounds that, right. I think him. it's I think yeah. it's him, right? Yeah. He's mm-hmm. very like pro 
he's a anti like gay rights. And anytime there's like a law that's trying to like make more like gay awareness or like have them like more gay rights <laughs> in other states or whatever for marriage or whatnot, he's always he always like, like tries almost a, too much. Right? Yeah, it, like, like kind of makes. But he also has that oh, sweet yeah. like South Carolina like accent with like it's like that Southern gay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like oh, I do declare this <laughs> that Southern sweet tea just tickles my tongue. Like he has that like accent that makes you like oh, that's kind of like a little gay, but it's mm-hmm. not. I guess like a bunch of um, like male prostitutes are coming out and they're like mm-hmm. violating their NDAs with this guy. So if they end up talking, they like violate and they could get sued for a shitload of money. Mm-hmm. They're violating their NDAs and like talking about their sexual encounters with this senator, Lindsey Graham. <laughs> and fucking one of the guys, like, you know when like a, when, like, a comment comes out that's so p- specific, you're like, this guy can't make this shit up. There's a story where like this male prostitute was in the hotel bathroom, right? And he's like just getting ready to like have sex with this random dude. He doesn't know who it is. He walks in and he goes into the bedroom and the senator's on all on all fours on the bed with his ass in the air. And like the prostitute is like he's explaining like, yeah, I, I just saw like this big brown streak up from his balls all the way up to his ass. And I thought it was just like shit. So I was like, hey, did you have you showered yet? And he's like, yeah, I'm showered. I'm nice and clean. So then he's like, okay. And then he like grabs like toilet paper and he wants to like wipe this big brown streak and nothing comes out. And he looks closer and he's like, oh, are you talking about my ladybugs? And he's, I guess like Lindsey Graham has a bunch of fucking moles on his like taint. <laughs> like black moles he's like oh yeah i call those my ladybugs oh and it's like something that's so specific I'm like you can't make that shit up like that guy legit like had sex with the center with a bunch of, and his ladybugs <laughs> i was fucking dying laughing ladybugs yeah i was talking about they were that's talking about podcast. Level. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean that's, isn't that the same thing like anybody who's like either like super far right outspoken against gays or usually the ones that are banging all the gays yeah i guess yeah i don't know how that works (sighs) that was kind of funny that was my rant yeah (laughs) the ladybugs god damn (laughs) i do declare Oh, those just is my there, ladybugs. Is there a ladybug class in Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you can certainly, if you're the type of person who struggles to understand these kinds of things, you can certainly write a, an adventure where you uh, you're running through the fields can, of Lindsey Graham's ladybugs, <laughs> or you know, like uh, an adventure that takes place in, a, in an oppressive society where the wealthy, where like the wealthiest people within the city are just take advantage of the poor. You can just you can walk fight, out the door. You my can friend. fight to liberate your common, you know, the your fellow commoner. Um, that's pretty. That's a pretty typical thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, every once in a while, it, you know, I I always like as like a, as a game master sprinkle in little little bits. If you have like a, I have a, you know, if you have a few players that are like on the conservative side or on the liberal side, you can always sprinkle in little homages to their <laughs> to certain hypocrisies that take place uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know um here and there you hide them in plain sight and see how they react to them and you can be like ha i got gotcha. you bitch gotcha it's <laughs> against everything you believe in motherfucker that's <laughs> happened to so, our last campaign yeah fucking murdering a guy who surrendered it's yeah every if anybody wasn't against it, it would be me because i'm a barbarian i was like i'm not for that shit i'm walking away yeah well, and that was interesting, Wait, right? What? Wait, whoa, whoa, you, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's guys, the context here? Yeah, so uh, in our last session, we we were fighting the main villain 
of the game. Uh, and he's a, um, a very smart, tactical, um, sp- like, spellcaster. Uh, he's a formidable foe. But um, once he realized he was defeated, he quickly, um, he was quick to surrender. Uh, he had been watching the players. Uh, there's a number of different ways as a, as a game master you can, like, you can uh, inform your villains by giving them certain abilities or certain intel or give them ways that they can acquire intel on your party. So this particular villain had a number of different um, uh, associates that were able to change their shape and to look however they wanted to. And uh, they're basically doppelgangers. And these doppelgangers are, have an ability to allow them to read people's minds if they focus on them. So the players throughout the game had been encountering these doppelgangers in various forms in town and not realizing it. Mm. And that and these, these doppelgangers are taking information back to the main villain. So once they... So now that they're fighting this villain, right... If the villain, if the encounter is going well for the villain, he's going to press harder and attempt to basically imp- um, abduct these heroes and sell them into slavery. Um, but once he realized he was bested, like he's going to lose, he knows he's dealing with a number of different. Uh, he knows he's dealing with adventurers of honor and integrity. Um, and he knows that if he gives himself up, if he throw, if he becomes a defenseless. Um, if he becomes a defenseless POW, um, so to speak, that they will be motivated to keep him alive, not kill him. So that's what he does. He puts himself in a situation where he he can pause the action. He put he threw out magical darkness. He you know he was he had a moment where he knew he was going. No one was going to be able to hurt him, and he basically gave himself up. Um, in the hopes that it would buy yeah. him some time so he could yes. escape? Uh, well, in the hopes that he could still accomplish his goals. Because not every villain's goal is to just kill your you specifically. Most times you're encountering a villain who's got goals, their own goals. And you're just, your goals and their goals are counter to each other. And that's why you find yourselves as enemies. Well, he doesn't necessarily feel like his goals are counter to the goals of the uh, of the adventurers so he throws his hands in the air he says i surrender um i think i can still accomplish my goal and not and basically not like fight this all the way to my death i'm not going to fight to the death over this goal uh so he did that and there was for a part of that session the party had him captured and they had him gagged he's a magic user they have him bound and gagged they don't want him to be able to cast any spells and um, you could just tell one of my players who I've been playing with for a long time, you could tell like some of his, or at least I got the impression that some <laughs> of his personal feelings of not wanting me to have another villain slip out of his, fa- uh, out of his grasp uh, were starting to seep in. He really wanted to kill this guy. But, it, but in order to kill him, it would require the party to basically, uh, it would require some of these characters to really sacrifice some of their values. Right. Um, and they ended up, they ended up gutting him and cutting his head off. Um, I walked out of the room. Yeah. So now it's we're really, we're, so now going forward, we have some decisions to make on what kind of, uh, what kind of outcomes those might, uh, that might happen. Cause you know, one of the characters that was involved in that killing was, a uh, was a, a religious, was a religious cleric, uh, who's, um, who's, all of his powers channeled from a deity who's not necessarily an evil deity. 
So, you know, whether or not he believes he was right in doing it, it basically doesn't matter if his deity no longer sees him as a vessel for his to uh, to accomplish his deeds on the mortal plane. Fuck. You could say, "Hey, you're now just a guy." You lose. Did you like casting those spells? Well, you were you were channeling my power. You weren't channeling your own power. Kind of like so, Thor losing his hammer for exactly, not being a good yeah, person. Right. So, and now that's a tricky thing to do as a as a game master. You know, do you you have this person who's been building this character? How's that person going to feel? like if he no longer can exercise any of his character's powers you know that person has to be the person has to trust you and be invested in potentially several game sessions where they're not contributing to the action and the flow in the same way they're used to that could be a little tricky well unless they unless they've through the, the the parts of this adventure they've developed like other forms of like instinction or combat or anything like that that doesn't necessarily rely on their powers you know maybe maybe fucking one of the party members have been on the sidelines teaching them how to use a fucking bow yeah you know while they're in camp he's haven't done it yet throwing arrows <laughs> you know like you better get started maybe it's <laughs> Maybe it just kind of morphs like that character morphs from a cleric to more of like a like a ranged fighter or you maybe know, we can teach like him how that. to use fucking chopsticks. He can start feeding us food. While <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, you could play that in a myriad of ways and still keep it interesting and still keep that player engaged. But that's an interesting piece of like him sacrificing his 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 morals and the repercussions of it is him no longer being able to channel because he did wrong from his fucking God. So that would make sense if the story was a little deeper and he killed that guy out of hatred, but he's got no history with this guy. So it doesn't make any sense why he killed him. Now I, now Seth, what would you do in this situation? Uh, who, who am I in this situation? You're just, you're a character. Which character? I don't know. I, I don't oh, know. like you're a character. Oh, oh, would I would I kill the guy? Do I want to kill the guy, or or how? Well, would I guess I, how that would depends I on what kind of character you are right. and the roots. But see, that's the thing. Like the whole like this gets really deep, right? I get that, his, that, I get that his whole head, that, and I just because you want to as a as a person who's playing this character, you want to you want to act and live as this character i mean any and any player you're yeah. you're attempting i think like at the table you're attempting to simulate uh, a personality and a moral code that sometimes you're trying to simulate your own personal moral code mm-hmm. in a fantasy world mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. or you may tr- be trying to simulate a personality and a moral code that isn't you. You want to but, explore but a you different are, you, thing. Exactly. You yeah. want, if you wanted to be someone who got into kind of some activities that you yourself would never do, mm-hmm. but you know it's you know it's Thursday night and you're you're not looking to be you. You're looking to be the guy who gets out on the town and gets into cardinal pleasures and and then Just random and then basically the yeah and and then it basically isn't afraid of the law it doesn't isn't afraid of the consequences of his actions and he kind of does whatever he wants and and that's and so you're exploring you're engaging in the you're making those decisions without any of the real life consequences and everyone at the table has already agreed they're comfortable with this kind of behavior and then you're you're kind of you're digging deep. You're you're going into 
sort of the deeper, darker side of your personality in a safe place. You're in a safe setting. Um, and so Jeez. as a result, like, you know, how how dark do you go? And that's a, I think that's an interesting question for players, especially in a situation where you know you've had these conversations with everybody at the table. Everyone's at an appropriate age to explore them. Um, and uh, it can be very rewarding. Yeah, maybe I want to play like an ex-WWE wrestler who's like a 6'3 jacked Hawaiian man who also likes to drive fast cars and movies, you know? <laughs> you want to be the rock yeah. is what you're saying. Do you smell what I'm cooking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I agree with killing him. Yeah, why well, they were why, just though? in combat I with would him have, a few minutes ago. Because it's the fucking big bad. You don't give the big bad another opportunity to fucking go after you. Okay, but all he right, gives, all right. Hold but on he him. gives up. Hold on him. What happens if the big bad then what if he you know flips from like heel to face or whatever, right? Are you talking like a spike scenario? I'm exactly talking about you a spike scenario. You motherfucker. God damn it. Okay, <laughs> spike was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Damn it. You know what? Think about that. Dude. God damn and it! He, not only does he surrender, but he goes, "I know you guys are of good." What did What did you say? I, I he knew that you were adventures of of virtue and high morals character. So I'm throwing myself at your mercy. Please right. don't kill me. I will no. I will not be a threat to you. I'll let give me an opportunity to prove I'm not a threat to you. And he also. Uh, was very accommodating and forthcoming with saying, "Hey, I have some. I've been trying to get to through this dungeon, and I've not been successful. Let me give you some information about some of the enemies I've been facing yeah. later on this dungeon. Let me and, prove that I can be valuable." And then and he, he throws a curveball. And then he throws a curveball about how he's there is a underlying like big goal of some dwarven like whatever there was a there's a larger goal that he's there to accomplish on behalf of others and so he's he may be the big bad up to this point mm. but he he's been the he anta- could be a puppet he's been the antagonist up to this point but his everything that he's done um has been in service of a different of a greater effort and it's just it's been a coincidence that it's been in sort of uh it's been like kind of against the character's efforts mm-hmm. so to speak mm-hmm. he hasn't he hasn't shown up in order to like combat the character specifically and so he tries to make that argument to them right he's not uh, like their nemesis like he yeah. doesn't go out of his way to try to make sure they're dead that's not his plan it's yeah. just we didn't they have just happened time. to cross paths at yeah. the wrong we time we didn't have enough time too to talk to him before anyone passed judgment of let's just kill this guy yeah. and I was like well let me know some more stuff I mean you do want to interrogate the guy sure. well, we gagged him so we couldn't and you know we ended up killing him I was like I'm not gonna witness this murder cause it is a murder at that point he's tied up he's no threat and then they kill him so it I, is a murder under whose a, laws though well, that's that's your true. morality, no, I guess. No, there's nothing wrong if you're part of an adventuring group that ends up killing the big bad, and that there's certainly nothing wrong with that. I uh, I think that like these, your group gets invested in the kind of stories that they're interested in. Take for example, if, if anybody who's like a fan of Game of Thrones uh, will remember it, who's like. You know, and I won't give up any spoilers to those of you who no, somehow have sat on the sidelines for a million years, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
but uh you know certainly like at the end of season one no one is a fan of jamie lannister and would love for and would have at that point loved to seen him get his head chopped off sure but by the end of season three you're certainly you you're like almost like he's almost like one of your favorite characters your tunes change. Oh, yeah. yeah and and if and if the let's say the stark family had gotten a hold of jamie lannister at the end of season one and just killed him right like you wouldn't have you wouldn't have had an opportunity to experience jamie lannister season three four five you know and so um and so that's sort of like that's those, what could have happened with fucking Nesnar, the Black Spider. Yeah, so <laughs> those those uh, those kind of character stories are the ones that are very interesting to me. I like mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. character stories that involve good characters who end up being bad, and bad characters who end up being good, or even ones that end up making that transition several times back and forth. I think that it, as long as you're you you find interesting ways to make it organic. Um, and, uh, I think that that's really what you're showing up every day at the table for is how, sorry, how hard would that have been for you to almost, it's almost like you're playing chess with yourself. If we allowed Neznar, the black spider to continue our campaign with us, you would almost, you would almost be playing a character with us as the DM. And then you're almost like, all right, I know that there's like a bunch of demons around this corner but i have to pretend i don't know that there's a bunch of demons around this corner and i have to attack these demons with this nesnar guy you're almost playing chess by yourself like an uh, old old psychopath yeah you're 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 hoping to stay true <laughs> you're hoping to stay true to that idea that you're developing a good story for the characters right and i mean it's certainly not unheard of that the characters take on an npc or a companion that is capable of adventuring with them and I think a lot of times what you end up doing is is that it doesn't take very long for you to arrive in a place thematically where your that non-player character is no longer in, is no longer in possession of like the knowledge he would need to like to to like let the cat out of the bag like he couldn't he wouldn't know anymore what the future holds and so what you do is at that point you could basically take that character and give them to the party and say hey listen this is now a character that you now have as like a resource for you take him with you if you want you'll make decisions you'll make decisions what this non-player character does on a micro level and on a macro level you as a dungeon master still kind of state are ready to kind of ensure that the player characters don't make him do anything that is so far out of what he would do so so i've got two questions <clears throat> first question if has has or can uh npc like flip to an actual person like say for in this example if you took that guy on and then you had somebody else that you wanted to bring into the fold like an actual person be like hey we've got this character that's like on our side can this person take control of absolutely. this character. Yeah, that that's happened. That's that cool. Is absolute, yeah. That is absolutely happened before many okay. times. Or you have that's almost how you introduce player, Justin's new character. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Or a player drops out, and you're like, there's you're like deep into a dungeon, and you're the players just not showing up anymore. So their character becomes a non-player character. Okay. And that's sort of just being kind of like piloted on autopilot on yep. the side, and you arrive back at a. a 
a neutral point in town or like at a safe space and you find some reasonable some sort of like reason that character is going to go on their own way Mm -hmm. i'm a big fan of do you ever hold grudges and make that character die in some fucked up way like oh yeah he was jerking off to a bunch of fucked up shit yeah you know i think in the tavern the one the one the one thing though (laughs) i would say like naturally you know going back to that theme of like hey everything is every you anything is possible with a group of people that's willing to say okay um there are a number of different things i think that are sort of like universally taboo or 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 cause so much friction at the table that you could almost argue that are like kind of hard and fast rules to avoid um one of which being that you you never want to take away a character like a player's like sense of agency over their own character like you don't want to muck around too much in their in that character's like life or story as a dungeon master that make the player feel like they're no longer in control of it mm-hmm. and the other thing would be is is that like i tend to stay away from writing stories or running games that involve me in control of characters that used to be played by other players at the table. So, for example, if we run, let's say we run a game and everyone's, a, you know, and then everyone levels up a, a significant number of levels and we have an epic story. And then we move on to a new game and that new game takes place like 20 years in the future and everybody makes new characters. Um, I really steer away from making any of the former characters dominant char- like dominant characters in my control of the new game. Mm. I might I might like leave tidbits and morsels of stories or like different things of that already took place like let's say in the first game you guys you know save a town from a dragon. And then in the new story there might you might go you might arrive at an inn that's named after one of the characters mm. you know based on his mm-hmm. heroic deeds like i think that kind of stuff is fun but you'll never show up and find that the knight that you played in the last game like you played a paladin is now the lord of the new town and he's just a dick and can't <laughs> and who is just so antagonistic to you that you as a party are like annoyed by his presence i've been in those situations before where you know, I showed up like a new one of my buddies is running a campaign, and I we find out that like the character that he played is now like the most powerful being in the universe, and the character that I played is now like this like homeless piece of shit that sucks ho- dicks but crack. Hor- hor- horribly <laughs> like horribly bigoted and and per- like <laughs> terribly you know just like a, such a, a, a you know an abrasive per- person within the game and it almost is, seems like, a, like slight, a personal vendetta yeah, mm-hmm. I, and I've been who the those, fuck's writing you, those things yeah I, well when you're a teenager and <laughs> oh Sean's you play, character you play, is you this play, homeless yeah. whore that likes to yeah. suck dick and my character has to be the god of all things <laughs> yeah weird so, set Weird, weird, huh? Yeah, when you've played enough games, you run into like, oh, you decided to bang my ex girlfriend, huh? Weird. (laughs) Now you're uh, now you're having sex with rats, so (laughs) you got the black plague, bitch. So my second question (laughs) is, if you have a character that takes a dark turn, like for example, you have your religious cleric or whatever, who's like, yeah, let's fucking kill this guy. And like Ham was saying, oh, he's maybe he's been practicing with the bow on the side and all that stuff. Do 
do you are there characters that switch classes yes. like mid story? Okay, absolutely. Right. You can have. I mean, in there used to be. You know, in in all the editions of Dungeons and Dragons, there used to be some really, um, a dogmatic rules for certain classes, like the paladin class. It used to be that, like, if you were playing a paladin, you couldn't do anything that wasn't lawful good. Mm-hmm. You associate yourself with anything that wasn't in line with your deity and being lawful good. And if you did. You lost all your powers. That was it. Okay. And you became just a fighter. Yeah. Or if you yourself became, you know, did anything evil, you could become, you could start to acquire evil powers and become like an evil paladin. Um, but in line with, say, like the cleric, where your cleric is channeling, your cleric's magic isn't uh, inherent to you. Your your magic is divine magic being channeled from a deity. Mm-hmm. And if you start to do things that are evil, your, you know, your, your deity that is a beacon of hope and light for a commu- for the world is no longer going to channel their divine power through you as mm-hmm. a conduit. So you lose all your, you lose all your spell casting ability. You lose all the things that make your character pretty powerful. Um, and it used to be that that was like, a real staple for previous editions in fifth edition they've they've created some wiggle room for people to play like paladins who are not exclusively lawful good or clerics that aren't necessarily holy you know you can worship any deity you can worship evil deities Mm -hmm. you can worship like you can worship deities that have like neutral to questionable morality and so you might get away with doing some different things like that but it used to be very very like strict Mm -hmm. um and to the letter of the rules i think that it's just like an element of fifth edition that kind of embraced a more like story driven uh approach to letting characters be more in control let them develop yeah. a little bit more than yeah. being so rigid like yeah you have a little bit more nuance a little bit more gray area than the black and white that might have been in yeah the but I, I think that like you know i think a lot of players can sometimes lose that perspective that like they want to see the end of the story so badly or they become so invested in their character in, in a certain way that they forget that the farther along your character develops that is more organic to the story, the more fulfilling it will be. Mm. Um, and so my favorite characters tend to be the ones that end up in places that you really never expected and have have really evolved into something really completely different than, say, and it would be considered like playing against the trope. Um, you're, um, you're playing a, you're, you know, you might be playing a character that isn't, um, it isn't, part of that like expected narrative mm. james's barbarian's a good idea he's walking out on like the murder of the like you might not expect like a barbarian to fuck you know. no you'd yeah. usually they'd be like all right i'll take the fucking i'll take the arms and legs you take the fucking head yeah yeah nope not yeah. this guy <laughs> i'm actually the least aggressive guy in the group i think as a barbarian i'm a pacifist <laughs> yeah. for sure yeah. Uh, my whole family got murdered by a bunch of fucking thieves or something like that. And I'm a, I'm a retired Mandarin farmer and um, 
I've seen the darkness in people, and I don't like to see it. You're like fucking, yeah. you're like John Rambo. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But I'm a big, giant, orange, redheaded ginger. Yeah, he, I got a question for you. He's like gone. He's gone on his walkabout, and he's uh, out in the world. And from time to time, he gets triggered and he rages. But, pretty much. But for the most part, he's been the character that has tried to steer the rest of the group away from like Murdering. direct confrontation with mm. stuff. And it's been it's actually been pretty interesting. I'm trying to fucking succeed and not die. And it seems like <laughs> every situation we're in, there's a couple dead guys, and I have to fucking murder my way through survival and save the group yeah but i think a tank like a barbarian that's his main goal is to take damage and to fucking you know make sure the other guys don't take damage and fucking fight your way through Mm -hmm. i got a question for you okay what are a couple like really cool items in D &D and like like interesting fun things in like situations i know you told me a couple times of some cool magical items and yes. how they were used in D so, games it, so this is actually i really like this topic because as a game master sometimes so when you ask yourself like how do you keep it interesting for you as a game master like what part of this becomes like a surprise and uh so what i do is i really enjoy rolling on rolling for treasure on random tables. I fucking love rolling so, for treasure. <laughs> I get hard yeah. when he's he, those there are for actually treasure. talked about this yeah, before. So there, so there is a number of different I, I highly recommend if you're a, if you're a game master and you are not rolling on the random treasure tables, I think you're really missing an opportunity because now there's there's some things to be cons- to consider, right? So there are a number of different there's a there's a process within the dungeon master's guide that explains how to roll on these tables um and if you follow that process it can be really fun and you can it can also create a structure for you to not for not it's not like just one table and you roll on it and any item it pops up it is there is a there is a table that is associated with different tiers of play and that and those tiers will um what level your character is on is nested in those tiers of play. So within, so let me explain. In Dungeons and Dragons, characters can level up from level one to level twenty, and that level progression is broken down into four tiers. And generally, you know, level one to five, six, six to ten, eleven, and so forth. So um, when your characters are level one to level five, they roll on a table that's designed for characters in that in that tier and then that role the result of that role will steer you to other magic item tables that are appropriate for their kind of are appropriate for that level and there are some really amazing items still to be had in those tables and then when you move up to the next tier suddenly you're gaining you're rolling on a table that has these other more like expanded treasure tables on them. And when you do it that way, you will find really interesting magic items drop into your game that you weren't prepared for as a game master. And now you're forced to, uh, this is a great example. I was running a game one time and it was a, a pretty low level game. Everyone was like level two and my bard rolled a really good roll and he got this harp that gave him the ability to fly. 
So, and he, and it was not like a very limited, he had a fly, he just had a fly speed from that point forward. He could fly anytime he wanted, as long as he had the harp uh, attuned to his character, as long as he had the harp on him, which he was a bard. It was a perfect, it was a mm-hmm. perfect mm-hmm. item for him. I can it was like, show you the you world. You could <laughs> I mean, these are the kinds of th- and, shining, and, shimmering yeah. splendor. And, it's, and then all of a sudden, you're now like, let's say you're prepped like a few sessions out, and like you have, you know what your characters can do, you know what your enemies can do, you have a fairly good idea of like where they're limited to, in how they're going to basically solve some of these encounters, right? Like they're not just, you know, how are they going to get over this chasm? Well, they're going to have to find. You're going to have to fight these guys in this other room, and there's going to be a ladder over there, or there's going to be a rope, or and then all of a sudden it's like now it's like you you put all this work into the characters solving a particular problem, and now they're all just flying over. There. It's like they're like all right, that took ten seconds. What's next? And you're like, well, I guess we just burned we just burned an eight hour encounter in oh ten seconds. But um, but that was a lake it, of lava full of spiders and sharks. If you if you allow those things to drop in your game and determine the way the game goes, it, it you can see how it it in it sort of like that kind of willingness to let things play out the way they play out will they will like filter down to your players. Your players will start to like let the game develop in a real organic way in the same way they'll start to like allow things to happen to their players that they probably would otherwise be upset about or get pushback from um if they know that like at any point things can go really wildly positive in their direction then they're willing to, for things to go really wildly negative in a different direction and i think it keeps things spicy for you as a game master right it's you know exactly what's going to happen um in terms of like the story elements or the plot points up to a certain point. And if like at the end of your sessions, and then that's the other thing too, your players, if you're ever feeling on the fence of whether or not people are having a good time, you just start giving out treasure and they just, it's, and they get, it's sort, it's sort and of, they just get hard yeah, as a it, rock. It, it's, it's kind of, yeah. If you're at a bar and you're not sure anybody's having a good time and some, all of a sudden somebody goes shots and you're just ordering shots, yeah. Then, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you, you can see it. It's just a transformation in everyone's mood. That's yeah. sort of like what you're doing is, Everyone starts rolling on treasure. It can be a bummer when everyone rolls really low. Fuck and yeah. No one get, which ha- has happened before too. And you're Ugh. like, wow, I was really hoping that was going to turn things around here. But <laughs> nothing but, makes a boner but, softer than rolling <laughs> low on, treasure, on the treasure table. Um, but yeah, I've had, I've had characters get like magic harps that let them fly. I had a character get a magic lamp that summered, that summoned a genie. <laughs> and there there that exists in the game. What's um, the unmovable thing? Oh, the immovable rod? Yeah. The immo- Explain that the, shit to oh, them. That's so rod. The immovable rod has been a D&D staple for as long as I've been playing. And quite frankly, I can't imagine a game where one doesn't exist. It's yeah. just too much fun. It's based the basic premise. It's not even a particularly strong magic item. Just unless you're imaginative, and, and, right? Well, and let yeah, if it, you you can have a party that just really doesn't do anything with it, and it's a bummer. But um, it the basic concept of the movable rod is that it is a it is a one foot rod that is about maybe a, an inch or however an inch to two inches in diameter, um, whatever you want to however you want to describe it, and there is a gem on one side that when you press it 
it becomes locked in place wherever it is in space and time. So, and it cannot be moved for any, nothing can move it. It's sick. And I have the things that players come up with to do, to use for the (laughs) movable rod is genius. Like it is, it is worth having it in a game for sure. I want to get, I want to get it so bad. I've seen players, I've seen players put it on the inside of doors that they don't want open. That's what I was thinking. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen rogues slip it into people's pockets. I've seen. So they can't move. <laughs> yeah, ima- imagine, imagine you're in a conversation with, say, the say Fuck like a, a guard, and your rogue sneaks up behind him, clicks it, and then you know while he's distracted, and then you go about doing something, and the guard goes to give chase, and he just like can't, you know, he, you know, all of a sudden his clothes are are like attached to something. So you got, you know, there are certain situations where you might be forced to give up the rod in certain scenarios, but I've seen players use two of them as a ladder. I was just going to say, yeah, yeah, ladders are pretty good. If you had more than one, um, put it in a monster's mouth. And, and here's the other thing too. I mean, like the, 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 the possibilities are endless. Like the, with an item like that, you are almost guaranteed that you could play D and D for 30 years and still and still give it to a player who does something. And it blows your mind what they come up with because, no one knows the kind of trickery that a character is going to get in with an item like that until they're in the situation that is appropriate for that mind blowing moment to take place. Um, that, and that, that's where the real, those are where the real magic happens. That's what I was talking about in the beginning of this. Like you can play the same campaign with just a bunch of different groups of people. And, you know, maybe you as the dungeon master had set up this room that had like, um, maybe some kind of puzzle or some traps or, or some hidden levers somewhere. And they just found out another entrance and just fucking walked away and didn't even interact with the room at all. Mm-hmm. But then you have another group of people who actually investigate the room and, and sort of play into those puzzles a little bit more. So really depending on the crowd that you have, the group of characters that are on this adventure can really dictate the uh, a whole new refreshing sort of approach to to this this adventure that's what happened with the manor that we went into yeah and i was like i didn't even mean to do it and i was like i think i had some sort of thing like we're just in this room i'm like i'm just gonna investigate how far can i investigate and you're like oh five feet i'm like oh fuck i didn't know that and i'm like well i guess i can only investigate this one little corner and I investigated the corner. He's like, "You found a secret room," and I'm like, "Oh fuck, I found a secret room!" <laughs> and there, and there was that wasn't like and me like, shifting yeah. things around to make it interesting. There was a secret room in that corner. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that that's a beautiful fucking thing, man. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and to see, like like you said, how people will react in a certain being put put in a specific scenario and how they, as a team, can come up with a, a way to either defeat or escape or or sort of uh come out on top in any number of ways man and that's fucking it's it's cool man yeah Yeah, i I think dungeons and dragons is a game that will really teach you how to like what to expect from people i think um i found in all my time playing that the the people who i least expected to be the leaders of a group will emerge as being the like you know up front the leaders of the group um people who are sort of reserved 
and quiet are all of a sudden, you know, a few sessions in, you're finding them, they're really outgoing. They're, you're seeing parts of their personality you never knew you thought you would see. Um, and it's in those, in those moments, you really see the value of a game like this where you, people, they might, it might take a few sessions, but you, all of a sudden people find themselves in a safe space where they're kind of like given an opportunity to, um, to express themselves without directly feeling like it's an expression of themselves or they're not like they feel safer to kind of like be outgoing or to be, um, uh, to be aggressive or not aggressive. And it's, it's really fun. Yeah. We haven't even gotten to voices yet. No, the voices. voices. <laughs> yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you one of the things, and this, this is a, this is a completely, uh, sort of like left turn maybe, but uh, that you guys might find interesting. One of the things that ke- has kept me over the years coming back to Dungeons & Dragons is that um, I am obsessed with this concept of a mind's eye. What's that? So your mind's eye, when you picture something in your mind's eye, do you as a person... What is that? What is that for you? So when you use your imagination, as it, let's say, as let's say, your if your game master says, you know, standing in front of you is is a is a tall uh, is a tall slender man with long dark black hair, and he put he holds his hand out, and in his hand is the reddest crisp crispest juiciest looking apple you've ever seen, a small drop of water. Right. runs as he holds it out a small drop of condensation rolls down the apple and then touches his hand and rolls down the bottom of his hand and slowly hangs there <laughs> on the bottom of his hand and then drops to the ground it hits the dirt and you can see the water absorb into the dirt right are you able to see that and imagine that in your mind's eye fuck yeah, oh, yeah. i just saw every bit of that as you described yeah. it yeah. so let me blow your minds for a second <laughs> I have no mind's eye. <laughs> really? Yes. I have some I have I have something called aphantasia, which is the absence of a mind's eye. Oh, that's so funny. if you when someone says picture this in your mind's eye, I don't see anything. That's weird. Wait, so how can you have an imagination? But not a mind's eye. Because you've seen things, right? And you've well, read guess, other right, people like describe you, them. And imagination like, is sort of like a snippet of like a, it's a woven quilt of like your memories and past experiences. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah. So my my journey through Dungeons and Dragons has been a journey through a world of imagination with no way to picture it in my mind's eye. Oh, dude, that's fucking mind-blowing. That's crazy. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Yeah. <laughs> that's what happens when you watch too much Fantasia. <laughs> Movies hey, fucked Okay, up. so you described that entire scene. Yes. And us three was able to picture that now granted the the finer details were probably a little bit different in, by each of us of course if if you could see a picture of each of our mind's eyes it'd be that different it would be completely it would be completely different they'd be That's right. similar like, like my guy is tall just- and pale right and as that drop slides down it drops and you start panning down and then his dick's out and then it splashes <laughs> <all the time. laughs> what was that, that dick man <laughs> 
and he's hung man he's down to his knees and you're like what the fuck you're like but you don't even notice that just like that drop just and absorbs because his description was pretty detailed but it didn't give you every detail like we right. were filling in the gaps right. with our own mm-hmm. I saw that I saw that dirt dust come up and like settle and then see the I didn't yeah I didn't see any dust come up was I just your guy saw... a pale zombie looking motherfucker he it, was a he was a pale guy. Yeah, yeah. mine was pale guy too. Was he pale? My guy had a skeleton hand. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. I think we're all seeing the same fucking guy. I didn't have a skeleton hand guy. Mine had like no, long it, and slender it's, it's fingers. A pr- it's a pretty wild concept. As a matter of fact, I this wasn't even something that I even knew was a thing until a few years ago. So but explain this again. So and anybody out there who's more of an expert on this than I, I apologize if I kind of butcher it a little bit, but um so it, it there's a there's a concept called aphantasia. It, it's from my understanding, it's the it is when someone does not have a mind's eye or it is that somebody does not have the ability to picture in their in their mental mind the th- a thing that is being described. So even with our eyes open, if somebody was to say, you know, w- you know, look at one plus one and solve that equation in your mind's eye. You see the one, you see another one, and then your mind like kind of creates a two. You understand? Okay, that's a one plus one equals two. Or this, and this was I didn't know that this was a thing until many many years late. Until many many years later, I remember having like i remember being a little kid and my dad trying to teach me how to spell and he'd be like spell you know spell like you know spell school spell the word school and i if i'm struggling he'd be like you know picture the word in your mind's eye and then read the word from your mind's eye and as like a very young kid uh in elementary school thinking what are you talking about Kevin, like, one plus one, Kevin, what is yeah, that? And, and, real, uh, and just really struggling with like, and always being told by people, well, picture it in your minds. Just picture it. If you can, if just picture it and then it's in front of you, you don't have to know it. You're just seeing it and then you're reading what you see and thinking to myself, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard of <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it wasn't until as an adult where I was, it, I don't it's it, somehow it came across my radar and I was like, wait, so, and then like going to my wife and be like you actually see like if I expl- if I describe an apple you actually see the apple my wife's like yeah I'm like no so like if I if I say picture an apple you're seeing an apple she'd be like yes I'm seeing the apple but like no but I mean like there's nothing there so you're not actually seeing I it. don't see an apple like floating in space if that's what you think okay I close my eyes Mm-hmm. picture an apple but floating people, in a black space. I don't even close my eyes. I can do yeah. it. Like, yeah, I can, I can also yeah, do and, it. And, and it's something that I found over t- the more people I talk to, I find that there's, it's, it's not just a hard and fast like black and white kind of thing. It's that there are like, there's certainly huge um, like it's like huge like uh, v- variation of the things. So, it's like some people it's, it's as you know like somebody says picture an apple it's as clear as if there is a real apple floating in space and then some people are like you know on the opposite side of the spectrum where it's like me where it's i say picture an apple and i'm like okay i know what an apple is but i'm not seeing any kind of apple so if you're like picture your like daughter's face yeah i mean i know what my daughter looks like i recognize her but i don't like right now you can't generate it in your mind no nothing damn so you don't have a spank bank yeah, that's what no. I was saying. We talked about this. I said, <laughs> you don't have a spank bank. So you don't have yeah. to do that. How the fuck? 
Well, I mean, I don't normally jerk off to my mind. Like, come on, we live in 2020 <laughs> right, now. Right, yeah. Let's get real. We got virtual reality. But I'm saying, as a teenager, but like as a back teenager, in the, day. the the internet is literally throwing naked ladies in your face. No, but yeah, days. as a teenager in high you school, ain't got no, fuck. you ain't got no porn. What, what if you like think about some girl in high school that you want to bang, dude? You're like, all, oh, that girl's so hot. Let me just picture her naked, and you're like, oh, easy. It was easy. <laughs> One, yeah. two, three. You. It was a tough childhood. Oh, you had a tough childhood. <laughs> no, it's just different, right? I've heard of people... So what if you want to build something? No, I, well, this is another thing, too. I, You're I, a builder, just, right? You just make in, things? Just in started, yeah, it, you, I do. I draw a lot of things on paper first. Um, I do a lot of like pre-planning. So where does a lot that of come from? I, I Conceptually. Um, the mind's eye. I don't necessarily know all the details. The thing I actually... One of the things I recently found out is you also have the same thing audibly. There are people who can imagine certain things audibly and hear it and say, oh, like, I know what that sounds like. I like if you were to say, yeah, like, like, hey, like uh, imagine a bell ringing. There are people who could as clear as a, an, a real bell was ringing could um, could hear in their ear of that bell ringing yeah. and their brain can generate that. And there are people who can't. And I'm I'm sort of the same way. I can't like I know what a bell I have the memory to conceptualize these things and know, <laughs> but I don't, but I am not, I'm not one of those people who's blessed with this like superhuman a bit for me. So if I was like, me, close your eyes. Me, it's like, if you're the type of person who can see these things and hear these things, you're like a superhuman to me. It's crazy. So but, I was like, th like thunderstruck by ACD. I was like, uh, dude, that's fucking weird because I was thinking ACDC too, but I was thinking Highway to Hell. Yeah, like yeah. I was literally. Wait, do you list, guys have that thing where you can like read other people's minds right now in my head <laughs> as he's describing? It, I don't know why I went there. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, that's fucking weird, dude. I have this thing like you can like if you am I looking at Justin right, and I can I can look at him and he looks at me, and then I can just like think what he was thinking. You guys do that. No, that's something. Uh, no, I, mean, I can read your mind, have, and then I can read your have, mind. Have, you have ESP. Oh, is that what that's called? Yeah. You guys don't have that. <laughs> Weird. I've no, heard but, of. But I've, fooling my kids into thinking I have it is one of the highlights of my day. <laughs> so, no joke. The other day, like my my daughter comes up into the kitchen and she's like, she's asking me stuff, and I, she's telling me stuff about her mom that I know she's making up because she's got to tell. She's five. Like, hold on, let she's, me. Yeah, she's five years old. She's got to tell, and so. I told her, I said, I told, I said, don't lie to me. I, your mom and I communicate telepathically. She's like, what? So she, she goes, what? That's crazy. I don't believe you. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'm thinking of a number. Go and ask your mother what the number is. And I guarantee you'll be the same number. And she goes to walk away. I go, wait, well, I got to tell you the number. The number is four. So I'm going to think of the number four. And I bet you, if you go ask your mother, she's going to tell you I'm thinking of number four. So she goes, okay. So she goes down the steps and she's walking in the backyard. I just go to the window. I was like, babe, the number's four. And she goes, okay. And like, my wife's my ride or die. I love her. She, so my, my daughter walks, I can hear it. My daughter walks out into the backyard. She goes, mom, what number do you think of? She goes, oh, your, da your dad's definitely thinking of the number four. My daughter's like, freaks what? out. Like, totally loses her mind. And it's like, those are, my, those are just the absolute favorite parenting moments. Uh, it's just fantastic. like making, just really messing with your now, kids. Now, you fucking lie to me at any age. I'll just no 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 and just eliminate you. Yeah, there's no good cop bad cop. It's like you can't play mom against dad in our house. We're, we're, we're eliminate you. <laughs> we communicate tell that. I've heard that there was people who don't have an inner monologue. Yes. Yeah, I've also heard exactly. this too. Yeah. That freaks me out, man. What's that? Explain my inner, that. My inner monologue is out of control. 
So like like you just having like your your chatter in your brain just like oh yeah that's constantly constant. going on yeah there's people kill yourself kill yourself <laughs> <laughs> there's people that don't fucking have that yeah that's crazy I have full conversations with myself out loud of scenarios <laughs> that I should have said to motherfuckers <laughs> you know right. Mm-hmm. No, that's the trick is always remembering to keep it inside. Yeah, yep. right. <laughs> Unless you're alone, then you can just be like, yeah. but it, it's yourself, been, I'll, I'll tell you what, there's it, it for some reason. It, I feel like that is the thing for me that keeps me like, like I can't break away from this game. And I always like find myself, even when I'm like not playing it, I find myself thinking about it because it's almost like one of those things where like, because I can't, because my, I feel like I'm like I can't imagine things the same way other people do that I'm like obsessed with being in these scenarios where I'm with other groups of people experiencing this collective imaginative process and it like so it's almost like it's expanding your mind's yeah, eye it, like it, you're you're cre- yeah. you're cre- you're growing your mind's eye from scratch yeah it, 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 through it, these scenarios it's like being yeah. a blind painter yeah it, it kind of wow that's actually pretty deep i've never thought it's a really that. good analogy yeah. james yeah. <laughs> keep it flowing baby It'll keep on coming. <laughs> god damn yeah god damn pat myself on the back of that one a couple more you know, compliments come on a, so but the the internet really helps in terms of like you know as like a, a dungeon master that likes to craft terrain and create models and that kind of stuff sure. being able to go to the internet and gain inspiration has been um something that's really helped a lot because you find yourself like how do you communicate to others what the environment looks like if you can't inherently picture it yourself Mm -hmm. so you have to like find ways to bridge that gap and think to yourself okay well i don't i'm not going to explain to them what this fantasy forest looks like or this enchanted forest looks like they're going to imagine the enchanted forest the way they want to. Mm-hmm. I just have to find a way to explain to them that it's a enchanted forest um, conceptually. So I might just explain some things I know about a forest and then some things I know about what uh, what may be in an enchanted forest and they're filling in all the gaps themselves. Right. And so it kind of actually has lent itself to me in a positive, like it's kind of like kept me from over explaining things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, like George R. R. Martin, just yeah. fucking. <laughs> but there are, a few, I, you know, Wieners, I, I have had, I have had a few players in my experience who have certainly found my found it an underwhelming experience. My sort of like the to get that little of explanation or description of a, of a particular thing. So I mean, it's it's got its pros and cons. So let me get this straight. Every time you go, all right, how do you do this? And I fucking explain to you how I fucking murk some goblin or some fucking elf. You're like, okay. And you're like, you don't know any of that. <laughs> you're like, oh, it's just blank, blank no, face. No, and you're like, I'm still having a good time. Yeah. yeah. Fucker. Wait, so, you, so you're not actually able to <laughs> picture me picture that fucking just that psychopathically? I, well, maybe not the same way that you're you are in that moment or anybody else but in the same way that every person at the table is has their own perception of what it looks like i'm doing what i've always done to to imagine things which is like i'm putting conceptual concepts together and um, and understanding what's happening understanding the outcomes oh i see okay 
I mean, just in the fact that when he was talking about an enchanted forest, I was already picturing like something like you'd see out of uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time, like the Kokiri Forest, and you've got like all the weird like fairy things. Yeah, Yeah, all the fireflies. And just something as simple as that, because it's been implanted in my mind from something else. Right. And, you know, somebody else might be picturing an enchanted forest from a completely other experience. Avatar or something. Exactly. Yeah. I pictured. the the lo- the lost woods or the dark woods of Zelda with Fern Gully. Yeah, there <laughs> like, you go. Mm-hmm. With like the pixies of Fern Gully. Avatar is basically a remake of Fern Gully, so there you go. <laughs> it really yeah. is, right? Yeah, it fucking totally is. <laughs> it's basically Fern Gully. A little Remade, bit of Pocahontas, you know, yeah. thrown in there, yeah. right? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. So you could probably That's do a, fucking you could probably crazy. do a what is it whole, called again? It's called A Fantasia. And it is a whole topic onto itself. I mean, it's a, it is once you start going down that rabbit hole on the internet. Yeah, I think I remember you telling me about this shit. And you yeah. like, if you came up with like a building idea, you'd have to like mix up Pinterest pictures or some shit. Yeah. Did you say that? Yeah, I go to a, Pinterest is a great resource. Um, just anywhere in the internet that For has pictures. a lot of images and pictures and stuff. Google, Google has really changed the game for someone like me, where just being able to like google a bunch of terms and seeing it and say all right i gotta remember i gotta remember to bring up the time of day so they can picture they can picture the you know how much light is come is streaming through the forest canopy um how much of that light reaches the ground um how much of the growth coming up from the ground how high is it is it waist high is it knee high is it viney is it leafy um is it wet is it dry just re- kind of, I have to constantly go through a checklist in my head of remi- of saying, okay, you, um, if there's pr- if there's specific things I need to communicate to them, I have to hit that checklist. But not all of that information necessarily needs to be communicated. Only the stuff that's going to be critical for the players to know, so that they can make decisions about what they want to do mm-hmm. or how they want to experience yeah. the environment. Everything else you can leave out. And allow them to just do the work or the heavy lifting on their own. Sure. Right. With their imagination. <laughs> so is this a last call episode? Or just a, or is this gonna be Aphantasia, the man with no spank bank? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, with uh, Dungeons and Dragons as this the the, the backdrop leading. Yeah. No like, Dungeon Dragons at all. Just yeah, the dun- man with no yeah. spank bank. <laughs> he's, he's like, fuck, leading. what did I just do? Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> oh, shit. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. It's freaky, man. That's crazy. But damn. So, but, you, but it's only visual or you? it's also audio? Ah, it's, it's a little a, both. A lot, a lot of both, yeah. Mm. And yet, I mean, it's not slowing you down, man. You're a fucking a hell of a dungeon master. And oh, thank you. Fucking... I have a question for you before we end this, if we're going to about... If you were an author, right? Say that you wrote books. And then you acquired Aphantasia. Could you then get disability from the state because you can't do your job? Is it something that you acquire, though? Or is it just something you're born with? I don't know. Or I, discovered. I, well, I, what what if I have my job and I'm just a basic laborer and I acquire arthritis, then I get disability for the rest of my life? That's a fucking stretch, man. I don't know. I, I, have well, I, I think that one of the ways they discovered this to begin with was <clears throat> there are 
when they started to really see an increase in trying to understand like traumatic brain injury, mm. they found that they were encountering people who had a very uh, competent mind's eye. People who like had had this ability or like most. It's a very rare. I'm under the impression it's a pretty rare thing to not have one. Um, and then these people, there would be individuals who like sustained brain injuries and lost the ability to picture, uh. Uh, picture things in their mind's eye. And so as they started to dig into this research and, and study these people, they started to develop this concept that this is a, this is not just an inherent thing there, that it's a bit that this thing the mind does to picture to uh, to picture things in the mind's eye is is a unique thing that some people have and some people don't in varying degrees. Um, so you so if if a TBI does occur, you can lose that ability. Is that what, is that? I I'm under the impression that that's how they di- that's how they started to discover this was a thing okay. to begin with. Interesting. Yeah. It's no. got to be associated with like a certain part of the brain or sure. something like that, right? Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I mean, dude, fucking TBIs are. Cr- crazy man yeah and what they can fucking do like what or like people who develop accents from parts of the world they've never been <laughs> right after they get, it's like you get hit in the head and then you have a chinese accent for the rest of your life it's <laughs> that like shit is a genuinely like a like a genuinely like <laughs> like just like the most authentic <laughs> accent like people from a specific region of, of a country uh, shows a bit like yo that person is from here <laughs> that guy never and they've dude, never even dialect been, is strong dude, yeah, it's dude. Like they, this woman's never been out of mississippi but, she, but her her chinese accent from this one specific village is like is he is a hundred percent accurate like, didn't uh, they play clips from something like yes, that on your mom's house yes, yeah, right? like, yeah. yeah i don't know the specifics of the of this of the of the uh, of the situation I'm describing, but I know there's something like that out oh, there. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah it's like, uh, yeah, this woman like s- just sustained a <laughs> terrible head injury, and then all of a sudden she's speaking Mandarin. <laughs> and, and, and it's, Unlocked. Yeah, it's like, have you ever? It's like I don't even know what Mandarin is, but I speak it fluently. It's so that's weird. just a cheat. That's just like modern cheat codes. It's like you hit your brain in the right, right. spot. <laughs> Come here, Justin. Give me a baseball bat. I'm going to make you rich. <laughs> up, yeah. up, down, down, left, right, A B A B. Infinite yep. money. Yeah. The brain is a magical thing. All right. Before we end this, I think we there's one last thing on our agenda. What's that? Let's roll for dick sizes. Oh, give me that. Should we do the big one? Yeah. Or the small one? It's got to be a D20, right? Yeah. It's got to be a D20. All right. Wait, I'm going to get my dice. I brought my dice. Oh, <laughs> you gotta, gotta use your you gotta own. use your own dice. Oh you man, custom it's dice. It's loaded dice. They only roll twenties. It looks like I'm, cement. I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud that James owns dice. That's pretty sick. So I, this, I, this I, when, I feel this I is feel when like you what, did your job. <laughs> I feel like when I identified that James was going to be like the perfect addition to a D and D group, it was. I feel like it was a win. He's like <laughs> oh, he's, tur- he's turned out to be my diamond in the rough. That's right. <laughs> okay, here we go. All Do right, you want me to roll first? Yeah, you roll first, man. Oh fuck! Here we go. Dick size. Oh. What do you get? Eighteen. Eighteen, 18 inches. Oh, yeah. That's a good <laughs> dick size. <laughs> There'll be no living with eighteen him now. centimeters. Oh, I don't know, but that sounds big still. So. <laughs> 
19. Oh, nice. Am I have the smallest dick in the room? <laughs> oh, Seth, I think All you're right. in trouble. I don't have to live with them. D20. 19. 19. I do have the smallest dick in the room. <laughs> Sean, don't roll. Throw 20. 20, 20. 20. Come on. 20. Six. Uh, um, <laughs> no, that's average. Don't worry, yeah, that's yeah. average. Right, yeah. I'm Irish. <laughs> right. Damn, good right. stuff, guys. How can an 18 inch wiener be the third smallest <laughs> dick in the room? Right. You, you guys are on a thirst for something. Okay. Yeah. Oh Jesus Christ, Sean. Thanks for a lot for, for being on here, man. Yeah. Oh, I I really appreciate great you guys conversation. Me. Thank you. Great Fucking. Everybody check out Sean's uh, Beyond D&D page. Roll20. Uh, it's more of a, yeah, it's, uh, if you look me up on Roll20, I think you can find me there or even Discord. It's uh, Guinness Green 21. There we go, baby. Right. Right. Guinness like the beer. G-U-I-N-N-E-S-S. Right. Let's drink some beer. All right. Let's drink it. Sausage candles.